once again to the E-Bone Zone. I invite you to sit back, relax, and listen for the 179th time on this Friday, May 8th, 2020. I hope you enjoy this week's episode, part one of a novel review series on Hound of the Baskervilles by Arthur Conan Doyle. the fade. Well, today's the day the quarantine's supposed to end, and if you're listening to this a few years into the future, you might be a little confused, so let me run this down for you. You see, there was this virus that started from somebody eating bats, and it messed up everybody's plans for a good while. The graduating class of 2020 was mad because they didn't get to graduate and prom was canceled. It it was really weird. Anyway, it's been a while since the last book review, and I was recommended this one by somebody I work with, so naturally I thought, If I'm going to read this thing, I might as well make it an episode. Oh yeah, one more thing before we get going. I should probably warn you. This episode contains spoilers. Here's how this thing's going to go. Over the next two weeks, I'll break it down chapter by chapter, give a brief explanation of what happens, and give my thoughts at the end of next week's episode. That cool with you? Start now with chapter one. We open on Sherlock eating breakfast, and Watson, his sidekick, looking at a stick or a cane or something that was given to James Mortimer by a bunch of people called the CCH. And then Watson tries to figure out what this dude's all about, to the best of his knowledge. He's a rich old country doctor that's highly praised by his patients. Sherlock tells Watson a lot about how he's proud of him and how he's improving, but then goes deeper in on this CCH thing. Charing Cross Hospital is what they find out it means. Our man Mortimer is actually pretty good at what he does. He won the Jackson Prize for Comparative Pathology with an essay talking about diseases. He's also written a few books. As far as the country thing, though, well, Holmes said he can't see a reason why somebody would leave his office in London for a bunch of house calls. Wouldn't you know it, in pops Mortimer to see what's going on. First thing he sees is the stick and runs toward it because it was a gift from his co-workers to celebrate his marriage. But then we find out he left Charing and gave up being a consultant to start a family. Next, Mortimer gets down to the meat and potatoes of why he stopped by. As Chapter 2 gets started, Mortimer pulls out a letter dated 1742 and says a guy by the name of Charles gave it to him a few months before he died. It talks about a guy named Hugo Baskerville who, let's just say he wasn't exactly a good person. So he and a few friends kidnap a girl and take her to a tower and then keep her in a room while they all go and party. She eventually escapes and then is chased by Hugo on horseback after he says his spirit will come back and haunt the place if he dies while trying to catch her. A group of people called the Revelers go out looking for him and find instead a man keeping watch over the property. When they ask him if he saw what was going on, they learn that he saw something all right. Not just our boy Hugo, but a giant dog following his horse. The revelers were all sipping on some liquid happiness, if you know what I mean, so they think this guy's just full of himself, and they leave. That is, until they hear a horse coming toward them. I don't know about you, but if I was in that situation, no matter how committed I was before, I would be gone. Hey guys, uh, I don't want to interrupt, but I just remembered I left the kettle on the fire back at the house, so I, uh... Yeah, I'll, I'll see you later. Tell me how it goes. 
Naturally, they were scared because when the horse passed them, there was nobody on its back, and it was frosting at the mouth. And they find the dogs that Hugo brought with them a little while later, and no surprise there, but they were scared too. Eventually, they find the girl that he was chasing, and she's dead. So was Hugo. But what about that big dog that was after him? Yeah, that's what killed him. In the last few lines of the letter, Charles gives some instructions to Hugo's sons. They shouldn't go to the hills at night or let anything at all about the hound slip out in front of their sister Elizabeth. Sherlock thinks it's just a story, but there's a news headline to prove it. So, apparently, Charles liked to walk an alley every night. And this one particular walk saw him going through the hills. I bet you can guess what happened. That's where they found him. Dead with some big paw prints leading away from his body. Wait a second here. Hold on. You're telling me that that dog got him too? Yep. That's exactly what I'm saying. In Chapter 3, what Mortimer wants Sherlock and Watson to do is make some sense of whatever's happening. And I don't blame him. I'd want the same thing. With more questions come more answers. It seems that this hound is a supernatural entity. It's a dog from hell, basically. Mortimer's going to meet a guy named Henry at a train station in a little more than an hour. And they're going to go to the hills for some reason, which I can already tell you is shaping up to be a bad idea. Seriously, there are red flags flying everywhere. And then Sherlock tells him to pick up Henry and bring him over to his place a day later so they can try to get to the bottom of things. In Chapter 4, when our boy Henry finally shows up, he looks kind of rough. He was originally coming to help Mortimer with the whole pound thing, but he told Holmes that he's got a case of his own. He's got a letter, too, from Charing Cross. You know that hospital from earlier. As you value your life or your reason, keep away from the moor, is all it says. Henry doesn't see a connection with the hound, but Watson and our main man Holmes, well, they've got other ideas. You see, this letter was only sort of written. It was typed except for the last word, moor. So Holmes could tell that something was a little off. And meanwhile, Henry's just trying to figure out why whoever it is that wrote the letter is so interested in what he's doing. That's... That's a fair point, I'll give you that. So now what they're doing is going through the newspaper and trying to find the words from the letter because that's where they think most of them came from. So they eventually come to the thought that if they dig through the trash cans of the hotel that the letter was addressed to, they'll find exactly who put it together sooner or later. After some talk about a stolen boot, Holmes tells Mortimer to give Henry the rundown of what he told he and Watson back in Chapter 2. And after that whole thing happened, Henry said that there might actually be somebody who knows more about this that they haven't gotten in touch with yet. And then before we know it, Holmes pops up and says, Hey there, bud. Just hold on a second. Slow down. You might not want to get involved. Just let the pros handle this. Henry doesn't back down, though, because in his mind, there's nobody that can take away his right to visit his own family's home. So basically what's happening is he's going whether there's danger or not. On their way to have lunch with him, though, Holmes and Watson find a guy with a black beard, and he's more or less shocked when he figures out that they're walking the same way that he is toward the hotel where Henry's staying. And from that, Sherlock figures out that Henry's being followed. The mystery man gets away in a cab with the tag number 2704, and Holmes sends Watson on a task to look through the visitor logs of the hotel to find him. And, of course, to dig through the trash and find out more about the letter from earlier. 
Have you ever heard the saying, if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say it at all? Well, now you have a chance to tell me whatever's on your mind. It's as easy as one, two, three. Just pop open your email of choice and send your questions, comments, and feedback to ebonezonepodcast at yahoo.com. That's E-B-O-N-E zone podcast at yahoo.com. You never know. What you send could be in the next episode. Fingers crossed. Chapter 5 kicks off with Sherlock and Watson walking toward the hotel, and when they get there, a guy at the front desk says Henry's been waiting on him to show up. He leads him up to Henry's room, and of course, Holmes looks through the records and figures out that the people that were following Henry don't want to make it too obvious by staying at the same hotel as he is. And sometime later, they eat lunch and decide to go to Baskerville Hall at the end of the week. Our old buddy Mortimer then goes to the telegraph wire to send out a message to Mr. Barrymore, the son of a caretaker who had worked with the Baskerville family for four generations before he died. Is all ready for Sir Henry is what it says. Apparently this guy and his wife were given 500 pounds each in Charles's will. Anyway, we learn that if Henry dies, the Baskerville estate is handed down to the Desmonds, distant cousins of Henry's because Roger, his younger brother, died without an heir. Holmes sets up Watson to go with Henry to Baskerville Hall because Sherlock doesn't want Henry going alone, and they all plan to meet back at a train station on Saturday the following week. A little bit later, they try and find out who the guy driving 2704 was. He shows up at Holmes' door and introduces himself as John Clayton. Now, Holmes wants to know who the bearded guy was in the back of his cab, but John said he was told not to mention anything about that guy to anybody, because supposedly he was a detective. They got his name, at least. Apparently, he was using Sherlock Holmes as an alias. In Chapter 6, they start heading to Baskerville Hall, and Holmes is trying to figure out who's best to count as a good person to question for this case, and Watson, well, he's brought his gun, so if things get hairy, they've got the upper hand. They head off into the distance with the warning of don't go to the moor at night ringing in their ears. When they get there, Henry's freaked out because, believe it or not, a big mansion seems really creepy at night. Next, they plan to have dinner and are led where they'll be staying for the night. While on their way, Watson looks on the walls and sees portrait after portrait of the people who lived there, all the way back to the Knights of the Round Table. Watson can't sleep later that night, and he's wound up even more because he hears a random woman crying a few rooms over. Chapter 7 starts out with the next morning. Henry and Watson are eating breakfast, and they start to think that, eh, maybe this house isn't that bad. Not as scary as they first thought. But when Watson brings up the woman he heard crying last night, we learn that he wasn't just hearing things, because everybody else heard it too. And then Watson walks down to the moor after breakfast and meets the postmaster who knows more about the telegram he sent earlier. Thing is, it was supposed to be given to Barrymore directly, but instead it was his wife who picked it up. Watson walks away after some conversation with the postman and before long hears somebody running up behind him. It's Stapleton, a guy who was told about him by Mortimer. And now, this man knows the story of the Hound too and says the entire town swears by it. He thinks there's some truth to it, but that it's probably a better chance that Charles died from shock after seeing a dog, given that his heart was failing him. A little while later, they hear a moan which grows to a roar. Watson thinks it's just the mud settling out on the bog, but I wouldn't be surprised if they learn different sooner or later. They just ignore it 
until Miss Stapleton, Mr. Stapleton's sister, tells Watson to leave and never come back. Interesting. You wouldn't have to tell me twice, I'll tell you that much. But still, they go on to take a tour of Mr. Stapleton's house. After being offered to stay for lunch, Watson's wits come back to him and he thinks, You know what? I just realized something. I don't have to go home, but I can't stay here. I'm gone. When he starts to leave, though, he sees Mrs. Stapleton out on the road trying to stop him. She tells Watson that the only reason she said what she did was because she confused him for our man Henry. Now he's interested. When Watson asks why she wants Henry to go back to London so badly, Mrs. Stapleton tells him that she's worried for Henry's safety. You know, because there's a bloodthirsty dog demon running wild in the hills? That seems like a pretty valid reason to me. She tells Watson to keep him away from that house at all costs. She's also scared that her brother's going to find out she's trying to turn people away because he thinks that for the good of the less fortunate, somebody in the family's got to be living there. In Chapter 8, Watson makes his way back to Baskerville Hall and writes a letter to Holmes. He tells him that he went out to the place where the legend of the Hound got its start and that he was sort of freaked out. Also, Henry was full of questions. We learn that Henry and Miss Stapleton now apparently have a thing for each other and that her brother isn't having any part of it. Watson writes that he's sort of overprotective and has tried to prevent them from making things official. They come to U Alley a little later where Charles was killed and they can't find much. No more clues for what could have happened. Mr. Barrymore did get that telegram, though. His wife brought it up to his study and, considering he was busy, she sent a reply back to Holmes. He goes on to reveal that Mrs. Barrymore was the woman he heard crying and that a few nights ago he was woken up by Mr. Barrymore walking outside his room. When Watson follows, he finds him crouched at the moor with a candle. After a few minutes, he just stands up and walks away, like nothing even happened. I appreciate you hanging out with me and taking time out of your week to hear what I've had to say. But that looks like all the time we've got for this episode. You can stay connected easily on Facebook and Twitter by searching Ebone Zone on Facebook and Official EBZ on Twitter. That's capital O and official capital EBZ. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and drop a review. Tell me how I'm doing and subscribe if you can. Until next time, God bless you. Stay humble and keep an ear out.